right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Monday, November 15th, and this is episode 130. An exciting podcast for you folks today. I'm going to be joined by Peter Gonzalez to talk a little Marvel news, including um, what happened on Disney Plus Day, some Daredevil rumors, and some other stuff. And then we are going to deep dive and break down the movie Shang-Chi, which just came out on Disney Plus, so everyone's got access to it now, or who has Di- who, people who have Disney Plus. Um, and so we're going to go through that movie, which turned out to be a real treat as a little spoiler of how I feel about it. I really liked it. But um, before we do that, we got some rumors to talk about. And to do that, Peter is going to start talking now. Peter, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great intro, as always. Thank you. Thank as you. Always. I try. So I think the biggest news that's taken over the morning is that tomorrow or that on Tuesday, we are getting trailer number two for Spider-Man No Way Home. It's been a long time coming, even though mm-hmm. we just got the other one, it feels like. But yeah. not enough to satisfy us. Um, it was something just so cool about seeing that announcement go live. Like, it just gets you, like, emotional about it. Like, mm-hmm. hyped. Like, this is well, happening. Let's yeah, because we've dealt with so much, like, fake. Of like, oh, it's dropping tomorrow. Like, we've heard, it's like almost like a boy who cried wolf situation with this trailer. I feel like I've gotten my hopes up for it so many times. And now it is confirmed that it is tomorrow. One thing to keep in mind about this is uh, the first one was a teaser trailer, right? Yeah. So that's a shorter one. So this should be the full trailer, like the last trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, which will be very exciting to see. I mean, I guess there's three questions for me about this trailer. Or two. It's all the same question, actually. But are we going to see Toby and Andrews, the first one? Or are we going to maybe see Willem Dafoe more? Like, see what the Goblin actually looks like in close-up? Maybe Jamie Foxx? Show us some of those villains. That could be interesting. Um, I think they will show Toby and Andrew. But I don't necessarily need them to. I don't. I, it doesn't affect me either way. I do think it would be cool to save it for the in-theater experience to see them. Um, but at the same time, they want to sell tickets, and that's going to really get people's attention. What do you think? I I agree. I don't need to see them a whole lot. I, I, give me the last five seconds with them there, and I'm good. Like, them, mm-hmm. them arriving, that's all I need to know. Because at the end of the day, this movie is about Tom Holland's Peter Parker. That's who mm-hmm. he is our spider-man in the universe currently as much as obviously we've got connections to the other ones this is still a spider-man story interestingly enough the new poster has dr strange in it with him as well mm-hmm. kind of very similar to civil war you know had tony and cap were the front yeah. runners for that one so i'm curious to see how much i'm sure we'll get more of dr strange in this trailer as well i think we'll kind of show yeah. us a little bit more and again i think we will see more Doctor Octopus as well because you, so, but you don't expect to see Green Goblin probably. I think see him. I don't think hear him talk yet. I feel okay. like the fact that he's in the for in the background of the tra- of the poster. I think okay, like okay, he's kind of happening. But I think that's such a heavy reveal that I don't know if they would necessarily put it in the trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it'll be very interesting to see what they put in it and see like what plan they have going into this because I believe Sony wants to put them in. And Kevin Feige doesn't. Sony, it makes sense why Sony does that, because they're always looking to maximize their profits on their shitty movies. And Kevin Feige's, like, he's done this before. He's not worried about it. So I I think that Sony will win out and they'll show him, but wouldn't be bummed if they didn't. Uh, the next note, what, what do we have for, what, what do you got with alleged post-No Way Home setup? What are we talking about? So here? I've been seeing, all morning I've been seeing this, this apparently this is the rumored, framework for what happens after no way home okay and what that is going to look like is yes we get another trilogy with tom holland and okay continue being spider-man but intermixed between spider-man four five and six you would have disney plus seasons bridging the gap in between the movies of what and fleshing out the spider-man universe whoa uh, allegedly i think tom holland would be involved with those as well from what i'm reading online mm-hmm. so they're really buckling down and digging deep and investing into Tom Holland as Spider-Man and event and essentially he would become the longest running character to hold the title of a superhero. Well, that's exciting. I love that. I think that would be a rad and I think it'd be an interesting way for them to again, double down on Disney plus's importance to the universe at large, because if you're going to have 
storytelling happening on that level that directly affects the movies, I think you're going to have to, you're going to get more subscribers. Because right now they're yeah. plateaued with subscribers too, so. And Spider-Man is the type of thing that could see uh, make those numbers increase. That's that's good to hear that there's a future with Tom Holland. It'll, I also feel like that will be a way they introduce Miles Morales and other characters of the Spider-Man ilk. So that will be interesting. Um, on the topic of Disney Plus Day, first of all, what a disappointment. For a couple reasons. Like, you don't even have a stream. It's just like a fucking Twitter thread is your day. I was looking for a stream for like an hour, and then I realized they're just releasing information on Twitter, and we didn't get much. We didn't get, like, we knew Moon Knight was coming. We knew She-Hulk. We knew Miss Marvel. We get a cool first look, but it's not too much, and then we don't even get dates for it, so we don't know when that stuff is really coming. There's nothing on Hawkeye really that crazy. Kenobi, we didn't get that much. We didn't get the trailer we wanted. I just thought it was a an L. It was boring. I think and... it was definitely not as good as it has been in the past. Yeah. I think the extended look at Hawkeye was was good for building hype. I think seeing that car chase scene kind of fleshed yeah, out yeah, more. Yeah. I th- I liked that. I liked of all the I liked of all the teasers. I think um, She Hulk looked the best to me. Oh I think, really? I think because again because it has the direct connection to the MCU right away. You see Mark Ruffalo. I think in Moon Knight it. is going to be insane. Yes, but I think that one again is going to be Eternals like, where it's like we don't, there's not that much of Easy. broad knowledge. So it has to become an acquired, you have to get into it without mm-hmm. having preconceived attachment to it. Yeah. The, Moon Knight will do well, in my opinion, because people will realize he's like the MCU's Batman. Basically. When you put it like that and explain It'll it work. to people, we are able to connect to something. Yeah. So, Miss Marvel will have the hardest time, I feel like. And Miss Marvel ugh. has the most concrete launch date of summer. That is the one that I have heard. That show's going to suck. Yes, it does look, you know, but um, but the other projects, I mean, seeing um, Samuel L. Jackson back as Nick Fury is going to be mm-hmm. sick. That, that'll be like a political thriller type show, uh, Secret Invasion. Is that what we're thinking? Yes, and let's watch it's like a, it's like a comedy vein mm-hmm. instead. But um, there's a lot coming up in the pipeline. Um, it looks promising. I mean, Loki season two, which we knew was happening, but mm-hmm. it's very nice to get that confirmation. Of, like, yeah, and then Agatha, happening. House of Harkness. Um, and we should mention this. Oh, they also announced Ironheart. Um, the other thing we should talk about, I don't know how concrete this is, but I think it's pretty concrete, is that a Daredevil show is being like starting production for Disney+. Plus. Which is awesome. Which is awesome news. Doesn't that seem pretty legit, Peter? Or do we think, do we have to classify that as a rumor? I think it's legit based on the source that posted it. That was kind of just like I think the tweet was even just like I don't care at this point. Like just post and he posted it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason why it was announced already through the spoiler leaks is because of the fact that we're getting the new No Way Home trailer. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if we get Daredevil in the trailer for No Way Home. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. I mean, we've um, seen the pictures, so I mean... He's supposed to be in She-Hulk, maybe, too. Exactly. And again, we're and I think what's cool about that is that we're seeing the connected dots mm-hmm. happening, as opposed yeah. to not being like, so you're so spread out throughout the world. Like, mm-hmm. lack of connection. Like yeah. Eternals. Um, oh, God. Don't even Which get me started. I did see that, again that was last... this weekend. Oh, why'd you do that to yourself? Because it actually... You notice more nuanced things. And I look forward your rewatch of Eternals at some point because mm, you will be get while. more out of it. I it's going to be a while. Um, speaking of big movies, Doctor Strange 2 undergoing significant reshoots, would you say? Yep, significant reshoots happening that are supposed to take out the rest of the year. Uh, originally, people were saying it's because Kevin was not happy with the direction, that it was too dark and too all over the place. Mm-hmm. You had heard also like a test screen didn't go well. All these things. But I was now hearing that apparently he's thrilled with the concept of this happening. They just want to add in some characters that were not available. Specifically, the language was not available because they were doing a TV a show, a TV show. Which brings to mind the earlier rumors when this whole movie started that Loki was going to play a role in this. Mm-hmm. And so it would make sense that that would be the show in question. Loki has to have. play a role in this. It'd be so weird I mean, if he it's didn't. All, it's all the magic. It's like, why wouldn't it? It, does, it would make no sense for him. 
not to be in it. We saw the multiverse break in Loki, so you it really makes sense that we would see him again in Multiverse of Madness. And I'm not saying he needs to be like the central character at all, but at least play a role because if we're supposed to ever since WandaVision we've been building this breaking of the multiverse that we saw in WandaVision, we see it in um Loki obviously, we see it in What If. Now we're going to see it in Spider-Man, and so I think having all those characters it's the interconnectivity that we're talking about. It makes sense. Loki would be there. And I think one thing that I noticed that I sent you over the weekend that I saw that allegedly Robert Downey Jr. was spotted filming something in Iron Man costume. Could that be Ironheart? Could that Could be, be Spider-Man? Could that or no, it's too late for Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Surprise, they drop him into Spider-Man. But I feel like so it's like a flashback. Is it what exactly is this going to be? I mean, Dark we were Tony promised Stark. a flashback in Black Widow, and we never got that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I would not be opposed to seeing Robert Downey Jr. again on a on a Marvel movie, but I feel no, like, I feel all. like it's more likely to see Chris Evans as Johnny Storm than it is to see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man in Doctor Strange two. You think it? Wait. You think Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, not Cap, is more likely than just seeing RDJ in general? Yes. I I mean, I don't know. I, I would be pretty surprised if we saw the Fantastic Four of the past in this upcoming Doctor Strange movie. That's the one I think they won't touch. But I could be wrong. You know, I feel like I feel like if we're gonna if they're gonna start pulling in the X-Men, then I mean why and and then allegedly allegedly we're gonna see um sophie turner's gene gray in this as well so that'd be cool if maybe a fight with her and wanda potentially and apparently down the pipeline there's supposed to be a re- a scene where you would see the four game of thrones carrot people as so you would see kit harrington richard madden sophie turner and um Daenerys targaryen emily yes Clark. Yes, at some point in the MCU, there's going to be a, there's a sequence in play where you see the four of their characters interact. Wow, that would be awesome. That would be fucking awesome, except Icarus sucks. But other than that, um, that would be great. Uh, let's go into Shang-Chi now. I thought it was an awesome movie. Um, I would give it probably an eight, eight and a half out of ten for me. It was fantastic. It's, a, it's right there in the top ten of the MCU, maybe number nine number 10 maybe number 13 like it's in that upper echelon of mcu movies for me and it, it was it's an awesome film i've never i saw it in the theaters and then upon rewatch when it came to disney plus i've never i didn't dislike it when i saw it the first time in theaters i it just wasn't it didn't jump out at me but then watching it again on disney plus it was just a fantastic movie and an example i'll use to explain it is thor one is a good movie. I don't think it's one of the best MCU movies, but it's definitely better than stuff like Captain Marvel, Thor 2. Shang-Chi is better than Thor 1 in general as a movie. But what makes Thor better is how cool the character of Thor is and how we know about that. So that gives him a little like uh, bonus help, if that makes sense. And so the fact that Shang-Chi was able to do this and be so good with these not irrelevant characters, but just unknown characters to the audiences of the MCU. I thought it really worked. I really connected with the characters. And I think this is as good as an origin film as you see in the MCU. The only origin film... There's there's three origin films off the top of my head that are better than this. And it would be Guardians 1, Iron Man 1, and Captain America, the first Avenger. Those would be the three. Guardians 1 is a great intro movie. Stop doing that. Um, but that it's it's up there. Shang-Chi is great. I was so there's so much to unpack in this whole in, in this in this statement. I think the first thing is I went back and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled the thousands of text messages. Granted, mm-hmm. I, actually I searched for the wording. Yeah. But when you so when I initially saw Shang-Chi, I was like, this is amazing, this is top 10. This is great. And your response was, I liked it. It was just very straightforward. It was very, you know, you that, went that was my takeaway at the beginning. And I was like, okay. So then I get this text message over the weekend that you're like so stoked on the movie. And I was like, this is awesome. Because I think you you make a lot of good points. This movie 
makes you care about characters that you shouldn't really care about, like because they're just not people that are recognizable right away. Mm-hmm. It has some of the best action sequences, which we'll talk about in, I think, Marvel in general. I think we have some very high up there. But origin, as far as origin stories go, yeah, it's very much a high origin story. It's one of the better ones. and solid, It's Guardians solid. of the Galaxy-esque for me, of taking unknown characters and introducing them and immediately making you care about them. I know you don't like Guardians, but okay. for me, that's a big compliment to Shang-Chi. That's a, okay, that's a good comparison. That's a good comparison, because you're right. I think, again, this was the whole, this was the gamble movie for them, and, and obviously did super well at the box office, and has the potential to set up different branches, similarly to how Black Panther did. I would almost mm-hmm. say this sticks the landing a little bit better than Black Panther. This was better than Black Panther. When, it was. And I feel this like upon, so I rewatched it last night, actually, because my mom and sister hadn't watched it yet. And also, side note, Disney's pl- doing the IMAX versions on yeah, it's awesome. The, uh, Disney Plus, genius. It, you, the quality is sick. Like, you're it's just so much better. It's just weird. Like, I don't know. It's like, I didn't think it was going to make a difference, but it, it does. And so for me, this I, I think I ranked this number four in my MCU movies. I, I don't remember exactly, but like again, it's such a And that's not including movie. the big Avengers movies. Exactly. Thank you for that. That's always the disclaimer with like that. Like, that it doesn't count. But and I think something that really also helps this movie is that you have that same vibe that I guess you would could say that like Chris Hemsworth brings to Thor post Ragnarok, where it's just like this excitement for the actor playing the lead character, where it's just tangible. You can tell that they're so invested in this, and yeah. I think that's what helps elevate the movie as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, what I mean, Shang Chi, like just the amount, of, like we'll get into this. I don't want to jump ahead, but I just I'll say broadly, um, they did a very effective job of not just caring about shang chi but just the other characters in this movie i thought were very like really well developed and you kind of understood their reasonings for things and why they were acting in certain ways which just as a contrast to seeing the eternals and this isn't me just poo-pooing on the eternals it's just shang chi is just a it, it accomplished that what eternals didn't broadly just in terms of character connections for me no, I think I think that's, that's that's a very good point. I think it does it better than um, Black Panther too, in a sense, because it everyone kind of stands on their own here, but yet still feels like important to the whole of the story. Even when we when they get to top Talo, I mean, not to give anything away yet, but again, characters that you think oh they're not going to really matter, they actually add they to great. the story mm-hmm. significantly. And this movie was such a great again. If you look at MCU and Phase Four, it's like this. Again, it's something very different, but it really nails the landing in a way that combines the magical element with the realistic elements that mm-hmm. we've seen so far in the MCU. Yeah, it was. I thought the the whole forest thing was a really cool idea of getting to that secret place. Let's uh, go through the list of how we want to go through this. Um, let's start with the fight scenes. The the fight scenes I thought were very very good. The only fight scene I didn't like was initially the the fight between his parents and the slowing down. I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then all the rest of the fighting in the movie was fantastic. I mean, the building fight, the bus fight, just unreal. Um, but going back to that part I didn't like about the fighting, I thought that there was a good tie-in at the end when he's fighting his father to that initial fight between his mother and his father. That made me appreciate that fight in the beginning more. So I just... They did a really good job with, like, the, um, I guess, martial arts and all that sort of stuff. It was cool. And the no, dragons totally. are awesome. I love dragons. I think, I think the bus scene is the standout for me as far as fights go. I think that is up there with the cap in the elevator. I think it's it's just there's are certain qualities about this confined area and you have a fight sequence. Mm-hmm. And like when you have something like Captain Marvel fighting in the hangar area where it was such a fail, it would be something like this where it's like, I'm so just good. a girl. That was so bad. It just, I mean, yeah, wasted Gemma Chan in that and just, you know, all those mm-hmm. things. But I think that bus sequence, just the way it used, it just used, you got character development, you had story exposition, you had all these things, and you had that action of the hand-to-hand combat, which you hadn't really seen other than Black Widow as someone who does stuff like that. 
mm-hmm. and he just raised it to a whole other level. And so oh, that yeah, the kick was just just nuts. That's... And he brings a level of like you mentioned this earlier. There's a level of enthusiasm and fun in his performance. I, you could just tell he's enjoying it, and it I, that translates. Um, Wen Wu versus Zhang Li. We just kind of talked about that, but uh, what did you think about that? You know, I think it was very much, um, it felt very much like a dance at the beginning. Yeah. And so, you know, it does. It does move a little bit slower, and it's um, not what you expect from the top of a Marvel movie. But, I mean, that whole st- the whole opening of this movie, for a good almost 15 minutes, you don't hear a person speak English. Yeah, So, like, you're really forced to be present in it and what's happening. But I think the callbacks from the final sequence to that one were really good because it showed the two different styles of his par- of the fighting that is in his family and how he was able to employ both of them. So Yeah, and the development of that storyline, that like arc with that, they set up pretty well. I like that. Um, so I guess let's talk about... So he leaves his father, right? Because they his father wants him to kill the man who killed his mother and we find out that he did do it, but he was so ashamed that he kind of went off on his own at age 14, changes his name to Sean, moves to San Francisco. Um, And similarly, it would appear that his sister, um, she waited around for like six years, right? For uh, him to come home. He never did. So she went off and escaped and was it in Lisbon where he found her? But she had like this like fight club and she was running. Macau. She's running like basically like this fight club. Um, and there's an analogy to it in Batman. I just can't think of it. So, but it's uh, she's running, right? She's just like running a, like a, yeah. a fight club, right? That's how it that's, that's it. Really good. But and then we have some nice knot. We see one of the widows in the fight club fighting. Mm-hmm. You see a couple. Di- so it's again. Wong. You see it obviously. Yeah, Wong, which was the biggest I think thing. And I want to say in my mind that this is taking place during No Way Home and that the place where Wong takes Abomination back to is the holding cells that are rumored to be the holding cells for the villains in Doctor Doctor Strange. I think he's in like Alaska, though. The Abomination's holding cells in Alaska, I'm pretty sure. So that's what they said. Uh, Okay, okay. But that would be cool if they had if Doctor Strange just had a giant prison with all the cool films in it. I, I'm I'm not against that. Um, uh, what are some? How do we want to go through characters? How do how do we want to approach this next part? Yeah, we can kind of go through characters and then just touch on upon it through the yeah. Touch on the um, points. Let's start Shang Chi. I mean, five out of five. If we're doing that character scale, he was perfect. He was. Uh, oh yeah. It's not Robert Downey Jr., but it is. Um, he is Shang-Chi, and I think he, he, for that movie to work, he obviously has to nail it, right? And he yeah, did. I think I guess similarly to Chala, Chadwick Boseman, it's like yeah. you have to have someone that embodies the character perfectly in a way that's hasn't been done yet. And he totally accomplished that. So I think five out of five, I love him dealing with his anger with the, from his dad's side, him dealing with the guilt, him dealing with, um, how he the not the softness but just the less violent nature of his mom's side bringing that the combination of those two i thought he he was five out of five a great character and i think that's a good point the fact that you got to see a lot of his internal struggle which i think is something that we're seeing more in phase four especially post wandavision which dealt so much with internal emotions they're seeing again these these superhero characters have like trauma they're working through and they're, yeah. they're dealing with all these things aside from they're just super powered individuals yeah and the um the best part of the movie to me is uh the dynamic between shang chi and Wenwu, his father um the, those two had unbelievable chemistry on screen and it what was amazing about it was they could just be looking at each other and it was between that like there was so much tension there they sometimes they didn't even need to speak to tell the story because of the acting i think those two just really nailed their roles which they had to so on when we were five out of five as well i thought um i guess some people didn't like him online i don't get that thought he was fantastic I, yeah i yeah i thought he embodied the role well i like how 
he addressed the uh, the Mandarin in um, yeah. Iron Man in a way that was very not like we're erasing this from the timeline. We're like acknowledging that this was like an attempt to make something that didn't work and was just like fail in a very in a very concrete way that I liked that it kept it as part of canon, but not you know. So I liked mm-hmm. that. I thought he did really well. The only part that I wanted a little bit more was well, I guess if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie when he ultimately dies. I kind of wanted a little bit more from there because I feel like a lot of it was unsaid, like you talked about. They have really good way of connecting that, but I wanted just a little bit more of something. I don't know. Like, like you wanted him to say he was sorry, no, say he was proud of him. I think I would have wanted a little bit longer before he died. Like, had that part a little more something where he, yeah, I think that's the only thing I would have wanted. Yeah, uh, I could see that. One thing critique I saw that I just cannot understand is that. It was this like idea that he got off easy at the end. It was like, brother, he got eaten like a by a demon dragon and got his soul sucked out. Like that's not easy. So um, yeah, that that's that's I don't understand that at all because like that's yeah. totally like what a worse way to die. Um, and next character, do you want to talk? You have Wenwu at like what four point five out of five, four out of five? Yeah, I would say four point five out of five just because the some that runs me a little bit wrong. But. Yeah. Uh, what about Jangli? You start with this one. If I'm saying these names wrong, I'm sorry. I'm trying. This is a sister, them. correct? I think so. <laughs> yes. So the sister. Um, I thought I would say a solid 4.5. I feel like I think the potential, the fact that we've got potential for where she's going to go, I think is really cool. But I think she was an, a very solid counterpoint to Shang-Chi and at the same time stood her own very well. I think she was a character that was developed, even though we d- didn't see her whole story. We still got enough to understand her situation. We got enough to understand that she learned under the radar how to fight. And then that makes sense why she would do an underground fight club. And then even when she is in Talo, she's watching, not participating in the training. And they're like, no, no, here, everybody's equal. Like, you can yeah. learn too. And she's able to really play a huge role in the final battle as well which I think this movie did so well, like we talked about at the beginning, all the characters played their role in that final battle. Nobody was, like, sidelined yeah. or just doing complimentary things. Like, they all were, like, they were both riding the dragon, and they were mm-hmm. had great growth to the fact that they had that brother-sister relationship at the end of the day when this movie was all about family, I think really helped drive that home of you can still kind of keep that connection in spite of everything. Yeah, but they they did a really good job, and this is, I guess, one of the benefits to having a smaller cast. Because, like, again, I've I've talked crap on Eternals, but the the mission Eternals had to do inherently is a lot tougher with all these different characters you have to tie in. So, but what I'll say about Shang Chi is they just did. No one felt like wasted. They, everyone had a role, and that was good. With uh, Zhang Li, for me, I would say four out of five. But I will put it down to three and a half out of five because the the post credit scene where she takes over the ten rings, um, that was the most predictable like thing ever. Like of like I, I, I mean that that she would take over that just didn't surprise me at all. When the, I just kind of always felt even when she was. Like she was a cool character, obviously. I'm just saying, as a Shang Chi guy, I'm a fan of my my dude. I just never trusted her, and um. So, but maybe that's. I mean, it should be four out of five. I'll keep it at four out of five. I'm just saying, like that that reveal that she took over the Ten Rings. I wasn't like, whoa. It was like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. So I guess because again, it is fresh in our mind. I think that reveal was similarly to Dane going for the sword in um, Eternals. You know, that post credits. Like you kind of knew this was going to happen. But there's a key, key difference. We knew Dane was going to do that because we knew the character's lore in the comics. Mm-hmm. Unless you did, we did she do this in the comics? Like I didn't know that. Like I, that's way we just knew that would happen with uh, Eternals. This one, it's a good I don't, point. Like I don't know. It just seemed predictable. But I'm I'm. This is a great movie, so I'm being I'm grasping at straws here, not doing too much. But I thought she was a good character. I'll go four out of five. I wish. Um, We'll we'll get to Katie next, I guess. I wish uh, instead of Katie's arrow hitting the crazy dragon thing, that uh, she used her freaking whip thing. Because um, as even though I really like Katie as a character, did not love that she shot an arrow that hit the dragon or the 
the bad thing, you know? I was like, I could have done without that. I could have, why couldn't she have hit like one of the smaller ones? I'd been fine with that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do know what you're saying. And just to hop right back to our post-credit scene situation. So there is the, the allegedness that the character that Power Broker, Sharon, is talking to at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, one of Brian's favorite shows on Disney+. Great show, great show. She is talking to her. And they're that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. So if that's the case, I, I want more of that. Whether it's in Armor Wars or in somewhere, I'm down the line waiting for that. But that's she, that. I bet you so she then, gets like a Disney Plus show. I've heard the rumors. I've heard the rumors. I heard someone ask her that at the red carpet of, I think, Shang-Chi. And she was like, oh, she she did the typical, I would I would love to play the character again. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know that they know what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, like, they no know the plan. No. But to Katie's point, I think I, I used to go back and forth with that arrow hitting because on one hand, it is when she is a Talo, there is so much character growth that's happening. When they say, you know, if you aim for nothing, you hit nothing. There's, so they're kind of building to that happening. But not but the big one. Just hit a smaller one that was going to, like, kill someone that we liked. And she does it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if their aunt was had her back turned and one of those littler ones was going to kill her and Katie saves her that way? Not the giant one. I think yes. I mean, and yes. I mean, yeah. I, I struggle with it. I still because I feel like Shang Chi and the sister were on the drag, were on the Great Protector at the time, so they couldn't really do that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't hate it. I'm not fully. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just that was. Well, I'll I'll bridge this conversation this way. Katie to me got four and a half out of five. A five out of five. Because, let, let me explain that. I am stunned how much she didn't, she didn't annoy me at all. I thought she was funny. I was like, this is a good Marvel comedic. Like, after seeing Eternals, Lord knows we needed to laugh. Um, and I thought she was great in that role. And the reason I'm giving her a five out of five is because if you would have pulled me before I saw the movie, what, how do I think she'll be? I would have said, oh, I'm really not going to like her performance. But she was hilarious. And the only ding is the she shoots the arrow at the thing, but that's not I don't know. That's not I'm not too bummed about that. That doesn't change my opinion of the movie. Five out of five, probably in reality a three and a half or a four out of five, but just because of the it's like a most an unexpected player. It was like, wow, most improved comeback player of the year. I was like, wow, this is this is cool. I didn't expect that. No, I mean, I don't disagree. I think that she did something refreshing for that kind of that role that we've seen before in the MCU, whether we've seen it with Christine Palmer or with, you know, Dane Whitman or with MJ even. It's like they're the supporting role. But here it was almost like it was like a supporting role. But because it was more than just if it was a love interest or not, you know, they're up, it's up in the air. But like he was very much like the, the, the best friend who wasn't a hero necessarily. So I think she did some, she brought so much more to this character that could have been just a sidelined, been, been there, done that already. And I think yeah. I, I really like that because she, she helped tell the story more about what she asked the questions the audience wanted to know. Mm -hmm. She was the one that was normal in a sense, like had yeah. absolutely no skills. And the, the way they were able to like, keep her, like, I gotta say, like when they, uh, arrived to Tao Lo, like the secret place, I was like very like, how are they going to be able to effectively use her character here? Are they just going to sideline her because it's kind of like too much for her? And they did such a good job of developing her story there still and relating it to the main one where honestly in most movies like this, that person would just be sidelined. It was like a hope in Ant-Man 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, more. This Shang-Chi was a hundred times better than both Ant-Mans, by the way. Oh, oh, 1,000%. I almost feel like Katie is what could have been done if Pepper would have been a more equal player in Iron Man movies. As far but as I think, I think what makes Shang-Chi great is he's humbler than Iron Man. And so he allows Katie to have that role where Tony Stark's kind of just like, get out of the way and let me do this. Mm -hmm. Good point, um, good point. What would you, Katie, around four out of five, five out of five? Four out of five, about? yeah, four, yeah, I think just, yeah, easily, easily. Especially because if you were comparing to all the other characters that are, like, this character, she's easily a five compared to any one of the other ones. Like, mm -hmm. even though I, like, love Zendaya as MJ, it's like, she hasn't had a lot to do. 
Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, what uh, what was the most disappointing part of this movie for you? I mean, oh, I don't know. I think for me, this this might sound again because grasping at straws because I love this movie. I think the final battle sequence was a little clunky for me. Like mm-hmm. it felt a little disjointed at parts. When Razor Fist decides to like join them and be like, "Hey, we'll all fight together." Like, yes, I like that because it, like it made sense that we're going to fight together. But it felt a little, I don't know, like it did. It felt disjointed for me a little bit. Like mm-hmm. that was the only thing. Yeah, I will say my biggest disappointment wasn't even something I saw. It was something I didn't see. Okay. I would have liked to see a flashback of him taking out the dude who killed his mom. Feel like we deserve to see that. Like the moment where he, oh, come on. We see death all the freaking time. He needs, we need, maybe we don't need to see the stabbing or however he did it, but we need to see him dealing with the guilt of that decision and choosing to leave. We didn't get to see that. We just heard about it. And that's such an important character development moment for him and his character. It's like the biggest part about his character and we didn't get to see it. Similar to how we didn't get, we haven't seen uh, Uncle Ben or Great Power Comes Great Responsibility in the Tom Holland movies. So then I have to wonder if they're saving it for like movie two, in a sense. Like that's something that's still. Isn't that something important enough that you think we should see? I think, yes, but then I feel like it would have just, it would have slowed the movie down a little bit because we kept having those, we had like two or three flashbacks that same night. Mm -hmm. So it might have been. It's going to be just one too many for them to do. But it doesn't mean it's not going to come. And if we are, like, picking at different things, I think almost was a little odd to me how they had to protect the Great Protector. That was a little bit of a... Because in yeah. theory, the Great Protector won against the Soul Sucker dude the first time. But this time needed assistance. Which I don't I don't mind. I thought, the, I thought the assistance was great. I thought his use of his powers was really good with what he could do. He learned it all awfully quickly, though. Like, he got the grasp of them pretty quick. Yeah. Was the only, again, a little bit, like... You know what? They should have got him, um, you know, in, like, super hot places or at farms when there's, like, a bunch of flies and they put those things over the horse's eyes so the flies don't eat their eyes? Yes. He could have used one of those bad boys. That's what I was thinking when I was watching that. I was like, (laughs) man, we get, like, a little seat through one of those. My dude would be dealing then. He would be unstoppable. That was his only weakness. Um, I just love dragons, so I'm stoked we saw a dragon. I wish the dragon was more powerful. Not going to lie. I wish the dragon was a little more powerful. But again, we've got that power balance thing where if we have with MCU, where it's like, how much power do you want certain things? I get that in general, but there is an exception to every rule, Peter, and dragon is the exception to this rule. Dragons are awesome. Dragons are my favorite animal. That's good to know. Now, we've learned something new, ladies and gentlemen. Dragons are sick. Right the there. the Game of Thrones episode, season eight of Game of Thrones, terrible. But the episode where Danny and the dragons burn down King's Landing is the coolest sequence ever. Just fire and blood. It's just maybe I'm a sick fuck, but I want to see dragons burn shit. I love dragons, and I want like I want there to be the next Shang Chi to have like fifty dragons, just dragons, dragons on dragons on dragons. Maybe Doctor Strange will satisfy that. Doctor Strange. Oh, if there dragons. was a dragon in Doctor Strange, that would be awesome. What if No Way Home is really just, it's not even Doc Ock or any of that. It's just Peter Parker versus a dragon. I wouldn't be that disappointed. Um, I don't think Peter Parker could beat a dragon. Okay, well, you're just underestimating Peter Parker now. Peter with great, like a man named Peter underestimating Peter Parker. You hate to see I will it. say, though, if we're talking about death, since you were on death, I, I did appreciate the fact that they... That people were people died. I mean, it's just how it's, I mean, it doesn't come across it, but like the fact that we had dead people, like because these battles, yeah. people hardly ever die, and I feel like that's not realistic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here, you know, they died, and we had the whole sequence of the lanterns, which I don't think we really had, like you know, other than like I guess Eternals had the moment with Giglamesh where they had like the memorial type moment, but Tony I don't Stark. think we really have aside from Tony at the end, of Endgame, like, and you don't really Hela, acknowledge or Frigga, Frigga. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's um, in Thor 2. 2, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, I had a great point, and now I'm... It's, it's Was it dragon-related? It wasn't dragon-related. I got off the dragon train. Um, oh, 
one thing that I thought was interesting was uh, how they used. It wasn't just that when Wu Shang Chi's dad wanted the power from the magic place. To put it simply, it wasn't like, oh, I just want to get more power, like that stereotypical villain. The fact how they brought it, they made it so he was like hearing his wife's voice, that thing fucking with him. And so he, in his mind, is going to save her. That was great because, yes, he is not a good dude, but it isn't just stereotypical villain. He had, like, in his mind, a reason for it. Because theoretically, if his wife was behind there. Yeah, he would want to save her, but obviously we knew he was being lied to, but I thought that was an effective tool to not make him just angry bad guy who wants power. So that's actually one of the things I kind of had thought, pause about, because I was like, we have again, like a villain who's not really a villain just for power. He's got villains because he's motivated by these emotional seeking. Isn't that the best villain? One that's but, rooted? Sorry, but, sorry. I feel like we had, well, I just had that moment. We had that same situation with Icarus, with Icarus, where he had, and again, I don't think it worked there necessarily well because he was like, I want to save her. I don't want her to realize that she's going to, humanity's going to, that she loves going to die. So I'm going to kill off everything and she'll never have to know. So I, I yes, I like that we've got multidimensional villains, but at the same time, you know, especially in light of just having seen Eternals, this one kind of had that same thing where I was like, huh. Just be bad. We'll get, well, get so ready just, for Spider-Man then, because Sandman's probably not going to be bad, and Doc Ock's probably not going to be bad by the end. We're going to be getting that. They're all flawed, and they're all... And Wanda. I mean, brother, this is this is the, the we road have, we're on. Because I feel like we ha- it was like the Deviants are supposed to be the villain, but then they two were like, mm, we're just mad. We Deviants were just awful. Deviants are up there with Flag Smashers. Yeah. Unfortunately for the but Flag think- Smashers, the Flag Smashers could talk, and that's just what ruined them. God, I think I, again, just oh, God. The, the whole when you come like you when you have someone like Wenmu and you have someone like Icarus and then who else have we seen that's a villain that's I mean Loki. Well, Loki began here. Okay, I guess um, true villain. Ghost. Uh, Ghost was yeah. Ghost wasn't a true villain, but the dude was. The dude, the dude Red Skull. Thanos. Red Skull. I mean Thanos, yes, but Thanos' whole thing was Hella. Hella's yeah. just so, a villain. So yeah, there are some, but again, and now we've got more villains that are more like we're villains. They've got these emotional reasons to become these villains. Don't so then, in the end, are we redeemed addre- or are we not redeemed? Do you think that's them addressing their villain problem that people talk about? I mean, I don't know because if you think about it, both Wenwu and Icarus like have their moment of like we're not get, we're gonna not kill the person we've been fighting against this whole time. Instead, we're gonna like die. Well, who do you think was better um, in terms of your enjoyment of watching them, Wen Wu or Icarus? Come on. When, well, I think Wen Wu because it was more... Again, because Eternals is all just parts. There's parts that you'll like, but when you put it all together, it's just like... Doesn't make it sense. It doesn't gel very well. It's like if mm-hmm. you were to have... A, it's like... Eternals was like a Thanksgiving meal that did not work. You had all the pieces, but things just didn't gel. Yeah. Whereas here, everything gelled. Everything. Yeah. This was like a great, great meal. Great meal. And so, yeah. But again, it'll be interesting to see how because I feel like Sandman wasn't a villain, villain either. He wanted to save his daughter. Like that was his whole situation. Yeah. So I think. Uh, I guess Green Goblin will get. He'll be just fucking mad. I hope so. I I want that. I feel like I want. I think that's why Hell is one of my favorite villains because, or even um, Killmonger. Through the end, he was the most overrated villain, in my opinion. Killmonger, he's he cool, was evil but to the end, he was. But there, there's so many things he said just doesn't make sense. But like, I guess should I get into this? I'm gonna get into this. Get into this. He has a line at the end of Black Panther where he says, "Just throw me in the ocean with all of my ancestors," but. If we're to infer, it sounds like his ancestors, if he is able to be born, made it across to become slaves in the USA, which is terrible. But it sounds like if he's alive, his ancestors would not be at the bottom of the ocean. It would be other people who, right? Didn't that kind of contradict itself? That just is what I was thinking. 
when you put it that way, I think, I mean, I, that line's never sat well with me. I guess so maybe his cousins. There's like distant cousins, but I mean, it's like, I don't know. I was I, kind of yes, like, but I think there are cousins. people that have that mindset, though. Yeah. So, and I mean, uh, credit to him, he tried to take over Wakanda. I mean, Hella tried to take over Asgard. Mm-hmm. Bad people so doing bad things. Everybody wants to do bad things, and then, but they and they are bad to the end. Yeah, I, I guess the reason that that why with uh, Killmonger is I thought, and I guess especially now that Chadwick Boseman has passed, is I thought he was redeemable in a way. And I'm bummed he's not around. So do you Even want though, a redeemable villain, or do you want a villain villain? What are your thoughts? It depends. It depends. It always depends. You need a balance of both. The best villains, you sometimes feel for them. But sometimes you just need a fucking crazy thing. It's like, it's simple as this. Like, you need a sympathetic villain in a way of, like, how, let's say, Doc Ock is being controlled by his arms that are evil and he's sad because of his dead wife. That's good to have, but it's also good to have Carnage who's just fucking crazy and wants to kill. So a balance is needed because you d- there is an advantage in storytelling that you have when you have a redeemable villain in a way that allows a dialogue that I guess would enhance the movie. Does that make sense? As opposed That's to just true. death and destruction, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Agatha like- was a redeemable villain. I mean, she was, and then she was like, you are now going to live here for the rest of your days until Agatha House of Harkness. Yeah. Yeah. But whereas we would have had Mephisto who would have been, who I need to be a good, legit, evil dude like yeah if, uh, <laughs> can't be feeling pity for the devil like good god um trevor slattery let's before we talk about the post post credit scenes uh how'd you like trevor slattery you mentioned how you liked the tie and iron man three how'd you think what'd you think of him i mean yeah i was down for it i, I like appreciated great. it it was it was what marvel is it's marvel has that humor which was missing from movies like eternals for the most part i mean you had oh, glimmers yeah. But I mean, this was like legit lean into the humor, the, the 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 chicken pig. I mean, the stuff like that is just like it's marvelous. What we want, what we come to the yeah. theater to see, and so I think, especially since I I love Iron Man three, so it's like me too. Anything Iron Man three, sign me up. Um, first post credit scene is it's a big one. We get uh, they're at a bar. It's the that's the first one, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're at a bar, Katie and Shang Chi. And then Wong comes and gets them, and they're talking about the Ten Rings. Captain Marvel's there with long hair, thank God. Hulk is there as a, a human in human form, which is interesting. And they're basically talking about how the Ten Rings are unlike anything that they've ever seen. And they do discover that there's some sort of beacon it is calling out to. Or it, it's a beacon device that's calling out to something, you know? So something is going to come for the Ten Rings from space. Could it be Galactus? I don't know. It could be all sorts of things. Um, what do you think? Galactus isn't a celestial, correct? Mm, yeah, he is. Okay, so okay, so then, so I was like, so now having seen this other thing, it's like, is this reaching out to like Amra? What the heck is the name of the dude? I don't think it's related to the um, uh, Amaratush or whatever. Whatever the fucking red dude from Eternals, that giant thing is. That's how forgetful that torch dude. Yeah, I don't think that this relates to that. But I mean, that's calling out to space. And in theory, that's in space. Yeah. And so, I mean, because so are we going to... Because originally I was like, oh, it's calling out to Kang. Well, I think it's calling out to someone who... That technology, who created that technology, I think it's calling out to an alien race or a, a developed something like that on some other planet, some civilization. Yeah, that created that technology, and they're going to come for it. Because I'm pretty sure in the comics, the, the Ten Rings come from uh, not, it might be the Kree. It might be the Kree, but it's. But didn't um, she say, oh, she said it wasn't, said, well, didn't she say it wasn't Kree? Wasn't, she said it wasn't Chitari, I thought. Chitari. But she would know Kree too. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's the Kree, but like mm-hmm. but it's just it's something, something along like those that. lines. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting because I think again, it 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 really solidified that this is a cool world we built. But boom, we are tied to our Avengers. And you love to see, see that. You love yeah. to see that. And then them singing Hotel California with Wong karaoke. A great ending to that to the movie in terms of that. Um, and then we talked a little bit earlier about the. The post credit scene involving Shang-Chi's sister taking over the Ten Rings. 
Um, you see all the females now getting trained there because they are allowed to with her in charge. Um, I think the best point you've brought up, though, was the, um, yeah, I think she is very high on the list of who Sharon Carter could be calling at the end of Falcon Winter Soldier. She is I the number one suspect. I would love to see her go up against Bucky. Yeah, I'd like also like to see her versus, like, Yelena. That would be dope, too. I feel like, and what's interesting, too, I think, is that it's it's just different how Phase 4 is using their female superheroes, supervillains. Like, they're actually, like, they have depth and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we and we're about to get two. She-Hulk, too, where we get more of that. They're, they're, they're doing a good job with it. And it's just very organic. It's not like we're forced. It's not forced. Here. Yeah, and, and Lord knows I will hate something if you force it onto me, so... Um, it's nice that they haven't done that, but I think they're doing an effective job. Um, any other sh- thoughts on Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi? I think I've been saying it wrong. Sorry. Um, before we wrap up, any thoughts? I, um, you know, great Marvel movie. Great. What, fight what, ra- what ranking? I believe. Where is it? I have my Like out of 10. Not like in the MCU. Out of the 10? Uh, yeah. Nine. Eight or nine. nine. 8.5 or nine. Because, I mean, 10, okay. I, 10 are reserved for... Yeah, well, here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, I'm going to give you give us both some homework to end this podcast. Um, tomorrow, the Spider-Man trailer comes out, so we will be doing an emergency podcast to talk all about that. But how about, as a special treat to the listeners, we will also record, along with that, we'll do an updated ranking of MCU movies now that uh, Black Widow's Widow came out, we had Shang-Chi uh, came out in theaters, obviously, but now on Disney Plus and Eternal has been out for like a week. So we will uh, we'll do that. I think we should just tier it. Um, I don't know, but we'll come up with some sort of way to do that so we can get the definitive answers to where. I mean, also, let's do uh, origin stories, too. Let's just rank a bunch of shit. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. <laughs> really great content next week. Yeah. I mean, um, tomorrow. Sorry. Yeah. Shit. It's already tomorrow. Um, okay, Peter. Well, I get some. Have a great day. Have a good Monday. Get some rest tonight because we have a huge day tomorrow for the Spider-Man No Way Home official trailer. Cannot wait. Um, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Likewise. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been episode 130. Have a great start to your week. The Chargers are awful. They're so bad. It hurts me. It's hilarious reading your tweets because I just know what's happening. I'm so angry. I'm so freaking angry at the Chargers. I'll probably be talking with Big Dog sometime this week, but you know your man's just depressed right now when it comes to Chargers. I don't want to freaking talk about it. We suck. This has been episode 130 of the Pineapple Couch. God bless. Except the Chargers. You guys need to fucking figure it out. Thank you.